if you're looking at services for your child, you're initially starting out with just getting a diagnosis or anything like that, like, please educate yourselves, reach out to even people that may know some things to help you along that journey, because it can be isolating. And I've had parents come to me and when they first get services, like, we just got the diagnosis, what do we do now, you know, and, you know, really reach out when you need that help. Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we're going to discuss mothering an autistic child while being vice president of clinical services for a behavioral group. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name is Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. And before I introduce you to our guests, let me start by sharing our community's preamble. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truths, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment one day at a time. Esther and Jerry Hicks call it the science of deliberation, and we call it the answer to all of our prayers. I'd like to introduce you to Jennifer Harris, who's the mom of two, one autistic four-year-old and a six-month-old. She's a full-time BCBA and vice president of clinical services at the Core Behavioral Group located in New Jersey. Jennifer, welcome to the show, and thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Chad. Yeah, we're excited to hear the perspective of a mom and a professional in the field, which started first? So actually professional. I started working in the field of ABA a little over 10 years ago. My four-year-old, of course, was born, you know, shortly after. Had definitely a, a difficult time transitioning from professional to parent. My husband is technician. He works in a school district. And I myself have kind of gone through, you know, being an ABA therapist, getting certified as a BCBA and, you know, kind of moving up the ranks there. You know, my experience had been working with adults, working with kids in various settings. And when Christian, my four-year-old, originally got diagnosed, you come across those instances where it's like, as a professional, you're thinking, 
okay, let me scrutinize everything. <laughs> I'm kind of looking for all those red flags that they tell you to look out for in development and the CDC guidelines and whatnot. Uh, my husband was actually the one that that came to the realization and was like, you know what? Something just doesn't feel right. We had seen a tremendous regression right around the time he was about 16, uh, 17 months old. Um, started losing that eye contact. The babbling kind of went to the wayside. We didn't really have any other skills that were really developing at that point. It seemed as almost he was like losing those skills where he would originally grab a spoon or grab a fork and try to feed himself. We had not seen any of that. You know, I was on the thing of let's just give it some time. Maybe he'll kind of pick it up as we go along. And, and that wasn't the case for Christian. Right now, he's nonverbal. He is what they would kind of classify him as more of the severe end. He requires a lot of assistance with daily living skills. Like I said, with his nonverbal, he's using a communication-based system on the iPad to communicate, which has been great. And we've seen that develop over some time. It's really been quite cool. lovely to see. Yeah. That's awesome. Becoming a BCBA, it's a pretty intensive process. It's not a weekend certificate. <laughs> no, not at all. I had accrued back. The standards have changed over the past few years. So when I had originally gotten my BCBA, it was a biweekly process. There wasn't as much kind of like tracking and, and things like that, that the fields would, is requiring now. It took me about two and a half years to accrue all my experience hours as an ABA therapist going for my BCBA. And in 2016, I was certified. And then I had Christian in 2017. So it was a very short time after that. But I couldn't imagine doing anything else with my time. I thoroughly enjoy being a BCBA, working with my clients. When Christian was originally diagnosed, of course, I had that almost like, oh my gosh, this is going to be my world. I'm working in the field that I'm coming home and I'm dealing with it. And that was a big understanding like moment <laughs> that I had to have and had to process a little bit. In talking with my husband about it, we were able to really kind of balance and support each other in that way where I was kind of giving him strategies and he was my <laughs> venting person, you know, he was there to, to listen and really, really understand my point of view. So that was really something that was amazing to come out of that. Does that make him your RBT of sorts? <laughs> I guess you could say that, yeah. <laughs> He's my own therapist. Is there any special needs in your collect family or extended? So not that it has ever been like diagnosed or anything we've been aware of. Our families are quirky, but family isn't quirky, right? <laughs> you know, we've never had any issue like that beforehand or any sort of diagnoses that were coming up. Because I'm not going to go there, but it almost somebody could say that there may have like be some kind of premonition there. I mean, it's it's sort of uncanny that you would go through just close to three years of training in a field that you love, and then was it a big surprise? Um, I wouldn't say it necessarily was a surprise. 
it was more so overwhelming. I think when, when it happened, like I said, I had that initial, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be my life. I am just going to live this 24 seven. And, you know, you have a lot of people be like, oh, well, better that it's someone that knows what they're doing. And luckily you're already trained and it becomes this like downward spiral of people just being like, you got this. It's okay when they haven't lived it or haven't seen it. And I think that was the toughest moment for us to see was like everyone either being like, oh, I'm sorry, or that was what I think was the most upsetting with the whole process. It's amazing how I try to remind myself that most of the people are just their hearts in the right place. But, you know, my son's in the, I don't even know where I read it one time, but he's in the bot like somewhere I read that he's in the bottom 1% of functioning human beings, his age. Right. And so then you'll let somebody know that they have special needs and they say, Oh, those people are geniuses. You know, like they've only seen rain man or something. (laughs) My son's like wiping his feces on the wall and on his face. And it's like, they're like, you know, they're all geniuses. And it's like, okay, thank you for that. I need to go clean up my home now. I'm assuming that you've dealt with a lot of parents and you're, you've seen how parents respond and react to the, to finding out, pre-diagnosis, diagnosis, and post-diagnosis and what happens. For most of the parents I talk to, it rocks their world. Most of them go into a depression. Some go into addiction. Most marriages fail. Did being a professional change that part of the journey for you, do you think? Or do you feel that you had a lot of the same things, same response as the parents that you're meeting from your clients? So one of my colleagues like said it best to me when I had initially gotten pregnant with Christian, little did they know this was going to happen kind of a year, a year and a half or so later. He was like, being a parent is going to make you a great BCBA and being a BCBA is going to make you a great parent. And that like stuck with me kind of throughout this whole process because it was one of those things where I've had the pleasure of working with some really wonderful families, despite whatever they may have been going through or going on with them. And as challenging as their child may have been, and you really do develop this resilience as a special needs parent. And I think that's, that's the biggest, the biggest thing with getting that diagnosis and going through that process is it It humbles you a little bit. It makes you more patient, even though there are some days you don't feel like the most patient person in the world, you're handling much more than what you could potentially even think you could have handled previously. You know, you learn to adapt and you learn to write by your child, essentially. I don't think that being a professional at working with parents has made my behavior any different with my child, if anything, I think it it did kind of help me see the other side of things a little bit better. I think it made me a better professional more than it made me a better parent. And just listening to the parents and really seeing how they're adapting and how they're able to manage themselves in certain situations, it's like, okay, yeah, I could do this. <laughs> you know, that was more so the case. 
Do you feel like you're putting on a different hat? Maybe not the best expression if you're not a hat wearer, but like, do you, do you feel like you're a mom of a special needs child when you're working sometimes and take your professional experience at home or does it feel like two completely different realms? I try to keep them as separate as possible just because I don't want anything to ever carry over to my clients or feel like they have to do something because that's what I'm doing at home with my son. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone's journey is different and everyone's way to approach situations are different. As a professional, we give the parents the toolbox that they essentially need to help their child when they're, you know, either having extreme behavior. I don't ever want to inflect my own personal self into that, right? That's their own decision to essentially make with their child. How about the overwhelm of being a parent of a special needs child going in, being a parent for me of a special needs child influenced everything in my life for a period of time. It affected, were you able to like turn that off when you went to work? Would say if you were to ask my colleagues, they would absolutely say that. (laughs) They would be like, you know, she doesn't carry a lot over. Of course, like my Instagrams and and thing like that, you know, I'll I'll post about my child and I'll post about what he's progressing with and what he's doing. But I when it comes to work, I am specifically devoted to my family's. Um I would never bring my own personal struggle there unless the parent needs to hear that of like, oh, just like when will this ever get better? And how does this ever change? What's going to happen when they get older? And for that part, I will kind of just be like, well, this is what we're going through. Like, I understand where you're coming from and I can empathize a little bit better, be a little more compassionate to their situation. And I think that's hard to come across. And in the field of ABA, you know, you get that it's very robotic and you have to do one thing one way. And that's the only way to go about it when that's not the, that's not the case, right? And I think we need to do better as an ABA field to be a little bit more informed with the compassionate care models and, and things like that so we can understand the parents and understand the families as a whole to really help them. Wow. I can't tell you how on... So I just sent a long email to the place that helps get the ABA services for my child this morning. And in that letter, I see seed some people in the organization and they said, you don't stop seeing those people. They're not in the department. I said, the only reason I see them is they're the only ones who have like shown me empathy, like act like they understand what I'm going through. Cause I've lost ABA because there has to be parent involvement. Well, I'm a single father of five kids within six years of age and two with special needs. The numbers just don't work out. And they say, well, we have these rules. And, and so that's what I wrote in my email. Like, it's like, almost like they, like, I'm the problem. I'm like, I'm just advocating for my kids. Don't worry about me. I'm not talking trash about your family. I'm just saying, Hey, we need to Let's follow through on some of these things. So it's been a frustrating process for me and my kids. And I appreciate hearing. I feel like the people I'm talking to don't have any special needs children, because if they did, I don't think they would respond to me the same way, but I don't get to choose how other people act. And I'm slowly learning that. 
the people that do come to my house and help my kids and the teachers in their schools to me are like of a higher calling. They're like, I call them angels, you know, because it's something that most people can't do. Most people on the planet can't do it. Even the parents be that patient and spend that kind of time with these kids. Were you like a super patient person growing up? Um, I was always very like mild mannered. Not a lot ever really bothered me. And I think that kind of carried over in speaking with your experience with some of the the ABA provider, I guess, startup or whoever you're reaching out to, whether it's human resources or whatnot. One thing that we do with, with our agency, so we constantly, of course, like train our staff. We hold CEUs, which are our continuing ed for our BCBAs. And we hold these trainings like compassionate care. And I when we're holding these trainings, a lot of times I'm like, listen, guys, you know, like this is what it could look like for a lot of people. And these parents are living it 24 seven. And that's what we have to be aware of when we're going into the home for maybe two, three hours at a time. And then we're leaving and maybe not even being there five days a week. We need to be a little bit empathetic. And I think we have a solid team that really understands that and our are very sensitive to that fact. We try our best to really think family centric, <laughs> like the whole, right? That the parents are also our clients, not just the little ones or the bigger guys that we are are handling at that point. It's just, it's, you're patient with yourself, but you also gotta be patient with other people, I think in in total. And our staff is, you know, we try to instill that the same way. So it's it's even across the board. That's great. I uh, just on a side note, I think one of the chat, I live in Santa Barbara and it's expensive to live here and you can't live here on an RBT salary. So the turn, you know, it's like you'll have somebody for two weeks and there'll be turnover and there's way too much demand and not enough supply. And that affects a business in many different ways, right? So, so there, are, everybody's having their challenges, and I have, I try to remember that as well. How old is your oh, four? Right? Yeah, he's he'll be five in September. Yeah. Are there any aha moments that have happened along the way that stand out for you? Hmm. I think just just with his communication piece, really. So it was one of those things where I kind of took it into my own hands (laughs) when it came to, he just would get so frustrated and so upset with not having a mode of communication or any way to really express himself. Right around the age of three, I created him a whole like little PEC system, the picture exchange communication system. So he was using the little icons to, he would tap with his little finger you know, because he didn't quite have the dexterity to really rip and hand it. So he was just tapping on it. And I was like, you know what? He's progressed so much with that. Let's try the iPad. So my husband and I just went and bought Proloquo, which half off during Autism Awareness Week. (laughs) It was lovely. So we ended up getting that app. I modified it myself. And just kind of was like, 
let's see how it goes. And then he had started receiving speech services right around that time. And I was like, you know, we purchased the app. We want you guys to see with his, his ABA team as well. Let's just see how he does with it. And sure enough, he picked up on it so quick. And just this little man <laughs> at three and a half, almost four years old at that point, you know, navigating through communication and identifying like, hey, this is what I want. And this is what I'm trying to express to you. You know, it got to a point a few months back, he was actually able to tell us like he had an ear infection, wow. which we wouldn't normally be able to get out of him. But we had worked on emotions. We, you know, had worked on body parts. And sure enough, he told us he was sick. And when we had him identify the body part, he said ear. That was a godsend. And sure enough, we took him to the doctor. He had a double ear infection and ended wow. up getting antibiotics the next day. Usually, you know, he would get recurrent ones. So it would end up being something where we started noticing the signs of an ear infection. He would start getting a little unstable with his balance. He would start getting really whiny. But we had even gotten to that before that, you know, so that was a real godsend to get all that situated and getting him used to that system and really working through it. Only a special needs parent <laughs> could think that that was an awesome, awesome, like life-changing experience. Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely the top moment. <laughs> that had. So cool. Not that he had an ear infection, but for the rest of it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that what's something like that you're excited about and where he is and kind of like where he's going what are you excited about i'm just really excited to see how he evolves over his lifetime four years old and in, in theory i'm just like wow he's like not even really in kindergarten yet like yeah. he hasn't even entered school like i can't imagine and of course like the bcba and me i you know, I'll present sight word cards and like work on sight word ID <laughs> and things like that and work with him sometime on the weekends, just casually, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm sitting him for hours doing discrete trial or anything like that. But I'll occasionally present some stuff, see how he does. And that's one thing like we've had relatives be like, oh, he can read, you know, <laughs> and we're just like, he's not he's fully capable of doing a lot of things. He just can't speak, you know, right now. But, you know, he can tell you things through his communication device. And it's just cool to see that. I'm interested to see how he progresses and see what he learns even more that he can start showing people and people are really understanding that he's, he's capable of more than maybe what they see on the surface, right? That's what I'm most looking forward to. That's exciting. I've had conversations with parents and I want to know kind of what you're doing and your take on this. Some who have been very happy moving to the communication devices and others that wish that they didn't because they feel like any chance of pursuing speech went, goes away. What are you doing and what are your thoughts on that? That's like a hot debate topic. There's a lot of people that are like, uh, it's really changes the vocal output of the kid and they, it hinders their speech. And then some people are like, actually the auditory feedback causes an increase of speech. So there's both sides to it. Yeah. 
with us, we've definitely heard more sounds come from Christian. We'll occasionally get something that resembles like word approximations, but nothing that sticks, right? So there was one morning I handed him his milk and I could have sworn he said, thank you. I was like, kind of like what just happened. And then there are some days where like, he'll blatantly say mama or he'll blatantly say dad, dad, <laughs> you know, you get some of that. And we get like a, yeah, that's a little distorted, but that has come more with that augmentative device that I'm more towards the argument of, I think it does help to increase a little bit of the speech just because they're hearing the words so frequently when they're tapping on it, you know, it's producing the words for them. I see. And it caused deficit in like vocal speech. Maybe there's not a lot of research either way to my knowledge. So it'll be, it's interesting. It's definitely, I could see where some parents are coming from though, where it's like, oh, it's easier for them to tap a button than to, to speak. I see. Backing up just a little bit, you said that my son had regressive autism. He used to pull his hands to pray and he loved to sweep and do different things. And then it was like the lights went out for him. Did your son regress? And then now you're seeing like a certain development slope? So interestingly enough, the most progress and the steepest amount of progress that we've seen across the board has been since his brother has been born. Wow. Which was pretty cool. Um, Our BCBA that works with my son, he essentially was just kind of looking at the graphs. He had his reevaluation and she was like, you know what? Like the steepest amount of progress happened right like at the beginning of January when we came back from winter break and my son was my son Grayson was born on December 27th so it was literally that winter break time where he was born it was almost as if he had to adapt or had to I guess change because there was you know someone else that was getting the attention or whatever it may be it was very interesting to see that that sudden kind of like upward trend of just increase in skills, increase in communication and and things like that. Cool. What do you do for you? What's your outlet? People would say that my work is my outlet. Um, (laughs) I enjoy doing what I do. A lot of my free time is either spent with my kids and doing something for them or I like occasionally work out and things like that. I used to be really into like the weightlifting and and whatnot with my husband. And then I got pregnant and we had a six month old that now needed to be, you know, cared for a lot more. So it, it is definitely hard to find that time. And it's a struggle. I would say our biggest like self-care that we do me and my husband are we like we sit on the couch we watch our shows we, we watch all like the disney marvel shows and we watch our you know stranger things that just finished up and and all that so that's like our alone time and our time to kind of veg out but i do focus a lot on my on my work and 
my kids as well. And that's always been just who I am. And I had uh, one of my supervisees actually had a conversation with me today of, did you ever want to be like a stay at home mom? (laughs) Like, did you ever just not want to, not want to work after having kids? And I was like, no, (laughs) like I just, I need to keep busy and I'm one of those people and my and my husband, it drives him nuts how often I'll be like, let me go answer some emails. Let me go do this. And he's like, you need to just relax, take some time. So I'm not very good for caring for myself. I'll be the first one to admit it. You know, the therapists I work with very closely know that too. <laughs> They'll even say the same thing. Trying, but that's just, it's my personality, unfortunately. <laughs> You seem happy in this conversation. Would you say that you're generally a happy and or content person or? Yeah, I mean, I would say so. Like I said, very, very even keeled. Nothing really kind of gets to me that much. That's awesome. Yeah, I try to stay as positive as possible. There are some days where it's definitely harder than most. And when you're running on very little sleep, it's hard to do that too. Yeah. When I was growing up, I was very sensitive, intuitive, could read people's facial expressions, just a lot going on in my head. And I thought it was actually one of my strengths. And and now as I get older, I realize I was just winding myself up to spin out of control. And actually now I'm trying to get to that even keel place where the highs aren't as high and the lows aren't as low so that it can manage this marathon. Because when I used to take every, you know, you show up at the IEP and one more year of zero out of 10 goals were hit. You know, it's like, do we really have to spend two hours to go through? No, 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 they didn't reach it. It's just things like that. And then you're down for the rest of the day and maybe into the next day fight with your significant other. How have you and your husband done through this process in your opinion? I would say... We've done okay. There are definitely days that, you know, we bicker a lot more (laughs) than we should. There are days where one of us just needs to like take some time to just relax because maybe there was, you know, our son had like a tantrum that really triggered one of us or whatnot. We try to come together at the end and, and talk things through once everything's kind of settled. And that's, I think, the biggest moment that's hard for a lot of people is that like debrief of what just happened and why did it get that intense? Like, why did it get that heated? I think that's definitely what has helped us a lot through this process is like, once the dust kind of settles, and you reapproach the situation, you know, I do that even with Some of my clients that are like maybe more vocal that need to like blow off some steam and then we'll approach things later on. It's how do you kind of come back from that? And how are you going to go about fixing whatever just happened? And that's what we do. And that's what's been helpful for us in kind of keeping it together a little bit more. It's a very practical way to handle things. And I have to say that I don't have the statistics, but in general, the people that I speak with, the ones who have a, who are are on the journey with their significant other, and, and none of them have said that, you know, it's been, I mean, I don't know if anybody says it's been 
lovely and rosy. Sunshine and rainbows, right? <laughs> anyway, but in general, the people that have a significant other seem to be happier and and doing better than the people that went through the traumatic divorce. Because a lot of times, if I ask enough questions, it's like the special needs child. Everything was okay, good. And the special needs just created so much turmoil in them individually that it was like the outlet becomes the person you're closest with. And next thing you know, it's, you know, an explosion happened. I really appreciate that you share the debriefing and that practical approach. Yeah. Like I said, it's been, it's worked wonders. Is there anything that you believe to be true that most parents disagree with? Hmm. I think just different approaches, right? Like you're always going to have that disagreement. You know, there are times where I'll, I'll like try to handle things with my BCVA hat on when there's, you know, behaviors with my son or, or how to teach certain things. And my husband's like, what, like, what? (laughs) We can't go about it that way. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you're always going to have one idea that may seem practical and the other one that's like, well, I don't know if that's going to really work the way you think it's going to work. And, you know, my husband is definitely like a voice of reason, like, hey, that may work for some of your kiddos, but it might not work for your own kid, right? <laughs> you know? And I think that's that's where those disagreements come into play. And I think that's where the arguments start to happen, you know? Yes. So we do like a lightning round where we, just to get more of your thoughts and opinions, you kind of give like a one word to one sentence answer. It's not strict, but um, are you up for it? Sure. All right. What's the best advice you have received? Just to be patient. (laughs) Be patient. Perfect. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? I would say really just educating yourself as much as possible. Like use as much as research articles can sometimes be like very jargon heavy and just have a lot of scientific information, really relying on some of those to help your decision making, not just Googling the first first thing you see. I see. That's good. All right. Well, this, we're going to put some pressure on the area that you said is not your forte. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? Mm. <laughs> I guess to take more of it. It's going to be the goal. <laughs> All right. What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? Probably more of the self-care to be quite honest, having an outlet. All right. Maybe we're uncovering something here. We're we're planting the realization. I talk to you. You're going to, you know, take a month off a year to go uh, spa treatments. Who knows? I don't know. I might be too neurotic. (laughs) I would be. Do you have a favorite product you use for yourself or your child or family that you just love and couldn't live without? Gosh, Apple, just iPhones, iPads, all that. Nice. (laughs) So I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I've learned a lot. And from what we've talked about or in closing, just to the parents out in Naked Parent Nation, do you have any kind of closing thoughts for us or 
tips, tricks, recommendations, whatever's on your heart? I would say, I think my biggest advice would be to anyone, especially like if you're looking at services for your child, you're initially starting out with just getting a diagnosis or anything like that, like, please educate yourselves, reach out to even people that may know some things to help you along that journey, because it can be isolating. And I've had parents come to me and when they first get services, like, we just got the diagnosis, what do we do now, you know, and, you know, really reach out when you need that help. That's the biggest advice that I could really kind of hone in on and <laughs> giving you guys. Yeah, thank you. And um, just lastly, the feedback I've gotten from the show has been very positive. And people have talked about like binge watching the episodes because it helps them not. And it's not even so much for tips or tricks. It's feeling isolated and feeling alone and then feeling like there's somebody else out there that knows where I'm coming from. So taking the time to be on the show today, I'm super grateful for, and so are listeners. And I'd love to stay connected and touch base down the road and hear what's happening with ProLoquo, your new self-care <laughs> campaign that you unroll for yourself and, and whatever else is happening, okay? Well, thank you guys so much. It's been great. You know, the special needs community as a parent is a really great one. I think I've come across a lot of great parents in, you know, just being more outright with, with our journey. So I encourage everyone to do the same. All right. Well, from California to New Jersey, we wish you and your family all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you guys. Bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long. <laughs>